I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So how should I address you on the podcast? Should I just call you Kent Lee Platt or? Uh, Platty. Platty. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. This is your post-draft edition, and this is the RAS edition as well. This is Brian, joined by Brad and John as always, and we have a special guest today, Kent Lee Platt, a.k.a. Math Bomb. Platty. We already went over this. Platty, Brian, we did this pre-show. Oh my god, I've already ruined it. It's one letter. (laughs) I'm very sorry. This is how you say my name, and we're like, okay, got it, and then Brian's like, yep, just going to disregard that right out of here. Yeah, who cares? That's what I do. Kent Lee Platty, a.k.a. Math Bomb, is here on the podcast to discuss the uh, relative athletic scores of the Panthers' draft picks today. So, Kent, how are you doing? And I apologize for mispronouncing your name and doing that horrible disservice to everyone listening. No worries, man. I'm doing good. I actually started using my middle name when I was writing because people would always mispronounce my last name. And it actually had the opposite effect. People who were pronouncing my name correctly started pronouncing it wrong somehow. So I'm, I'm, it kind of shot myself in the foot. But by that point, I'd already been using the whole thing, so I, I couldn't stop using it. Like adding the Lee, like people were like, yeah. Kent Platty, and now it's like actually now it's the Lee goes in the middle, not at the end. Yeah, and then people would people would screw it up, and they'd be like, Le Platt. And I was like, how did that happen? I'm French now? Yes. Well, yeah. you, you should have just put it at the end of Kent. You could have been Kent Lee Platty, <laughs> and then people would have probably got it right. People like rhymes, man. <laughs> it does. It does. It does flow. It does flow well. Um, so, Kent, I know you're a big uh, you're a big advocate of the RAS. I'm just going to call it Raz uh, metric as far as uh, measuring draft prospects. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about that just to uh, preface the the whole show? Yeah, I, I developed Raz back in uh, 2013. I actually started it a little bit earlier than that, but I started posting about it in 2013. Um, the idea was to create a, a contextualized athletic metric that would allow people to understand uh, what's good and what's not. Right. So you'd always hear these buzzwords, you know, a guy's explosive, he's quick, but not fast. And no, I, this just, but doesn't have any context, but it doesn't mean anything. Um, and then if you started to get into the NFL and you started to follow the draft a little more closely, you'd hear the actual statistics and it still doesn't really mean anything. Right. You'd hear, oh yeah, he ran a four or five. And well, is that good? You know, is, is that bad? Is that okay? 
Um, you look at a defensive end that runs a four five. That's fantastic. That's amazing. You don't get a lot of those guys. You get a wide receiver that runs a four five or a corner. That's a dime a dozen. Those guys are all over the place. Uh, so the idea was just to put a number on each of the individual testing and provide an overall number that tells you how athletic a player is on a scale of zero to 10. Uh, anybody can understand zero to 10. Zero is bad, 10 is good, five is smack dab in the middle. So uh, it started out just as a, a hobby and trying to, to build something up that was interesting to help contextualize things. Once I started getting all the data around, though, it, it turned out to be a pretty valuable scouting tool to be able to evaluate prospects because some of the stuff really does correlate to how successful guys are in the NFL. I think that was going to be our, our next question was like, how much does it correlate? Because like, I feel, I feel like football in general is such like a athleticism, like there's so much athleticism involved as opposed to other sports, like more so than other sports, like how much is that correlation? Like how strong is that correlation between athleticism? It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty strong at most positions. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try to say it's every position because I'd be lying. And even in yeah. some of them, that, even in some where it is, it does correlate to success. Like quarterback, you wouldn't think it does, but it does. Mm. Uh, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, yes, my metric should be used as a scouting <laughs> tool to tell you whether a quarterback is good or not. Because we've seen a lot of athletic quarterbacks who are just garbage throwing the football. Um, I, I understand that not every trait is tested in the metrics that we're tracking. So um, it, it correlates pretty well to the positions that you'd expect it to and a little bit better than you think it would at positions you don't expect it to. Um, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. The, the hardest part is actually figuring out what to consider success, right? What, what you measure mm -hmm. success by. Yeah, uh, that's when it starts to get tough. So I'm sure we'll cover a couple of those uh, over the course of this, this discussion. Yeah, like it's that's, like what that's the harder part. Yeah, like what do you use as like your your uh, your measure to like correlate it to? Because like yeah, especially used, like across uh, positions, I use Pro Bowls to cover every position at least a little mm. bit. Um, yeah, Pro Bowl is not a great measuring stick because there's a lot of people who've made a Pro Bowl who shouldn't have, especially um, like quarterbacks but, and stuff. Derek right. Anderson at comes the same to time. Mind. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, most Pro Bowlers are top tier players in their position. Most yeah. of them. It's but good the enough. Fair, yeah. It's a fair measuring stick. Uh, the bigger issue is volume. It's not a very high volume hit rate because you only have a couple of pro bowlers a year and most of them are repeat. You guys mm. could have made it more than once. Um, I did it for receiving stats, the volume stats that you can get for running backs, receivers, and pass rushers. I did it for uh, 750,000 yard and 12, uh, 1,250 yardage uh, rushing and receiving seasons. I did it for seven and a half, 10 and uh, 12 and a half sack seasons for pass rushers. Um, I'm starting to get to compile the data for starts, which I did a, a mini study on that a couple of weeks before the draft for offensive linemen to, to help figure out whether that correlates in the same way. Um, the numbers are pretty consistent regardless of which metric I've used so far for success, which is exciting. Um, mm, but I'm, yeah. a, I'm a math guy, so I want, <laughs> I want more, more data, more data. More oh, yeah. Data. Yeah, yeah. Um, which position do you think Ross is the easiest to um, predict if the player is going to be good or not, based on their score? It's it's easier to predict if someone's going to be bad than if someone's going to be good. Okay. Um, if a guy has a score below five at some positions, you can pretty much guarantee from a from a trend standpoint, not from a tape standpoint, not from a I've seen this guy play standpoint, from a pure numbers and nothing else standpoint. Um, you can just put it, put a little mark next to them as they, they're probably not going to be successful. Tight end is the biggest one. There just aren't 
unathletic tight ends in the NFL that find success. It doesn't happen. Um, we've only had one in the last uh, 20 years who's found any success who tested poorly. And it was Jordan Reed who was injured at the time that he tested. So it's not even really a fair, oh, he had a below average score. He was injured, only tested a couple of drills, just enough to qualify, but he did it all while hurt. Um, and yeah, the only other one, the only other one below average was Ben Coates, and he was drafted in 1991. So a little yeah. bit further back. Yeah, I don't think anybody would also like look at Jordan Reed and be like, yeah, that guy's not an athletic tight end. Like just right, kind of exactly. in general, yeah. Yeah. Um go ahead, Brad. Are we about to say something? Sorry, I had to mute my microphone. Oh. Um, no, I, that was all. I just, um, I think my biggest question mark with the the low scores correlating to no success would be um, specifically at guard. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this <laughs> as we go forward. But we have one of our draft picks that did not score very well on your chart. Uh, Deontay Brown, we drafted him at 193rd overall. He actually has a sub two Ross. So does that mean that we wasted our draft pick or is guard kind of one of those positions where it doesn't really matter how athletic they are that much, especially at someone his size? So I mentioned before that there's some positions where it's surprising how much athleticism has correlated to success and guard is one of those. Uh, everybody knows that tackle is a hugely dependent uh, position for athleticism. You get a guy on the outside, they got to be able to contend with the most athletic defender on the field, which is usually the pass rushers. Um, the guards, people like to say, you know, the, the further you go inward, the less athleticism matters. And they're not wrong, uh, but it still has mattered quite a bit for guards, more than I think a lot of people would expect. There's only one Pro Bowl guard in the last 35 years that scored under two. Uh, which was Kevin Gogan all the way back in 1987. So it's been a while. It's the very beginning of the data that I have collected. Um, most of the guys are above that, and almost all of them are above five. There's only one, two, three, six. There's only six guards that were below five that made a Pro Bowl. So it's not very common um, that guys are, are below average athleticism and still find success at guard. Doesn't mean that it never happens. And there's some great guards that didn't test all that well. Alan Fanica didn't test all that well. Sean Andrews didn't test all that well. And they still found immense success in the NFL. Um, it's never something that you should take and be like, this is the only thing I'm, I'm going to look at. Uh, it's, it's meant to be a tool for the toolbox to help with trend analysis and risk management. And as long as you're looking at it through that lens, you can look at some players and be like, this guy is clearly a top tier talent and he needs to be drafted and put on the football field. Um, other times it's just injury. I don't think that uh, Deontay Brown was, was going to test well ever. Like he had to drop weight to get down to where he is. And he's just a really big dude. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, he's that, that's where person. I lean. I, I don't like, I'm not discounting your, your method and I don't, I mean, it, it's clear he's not athletic. You can look at him and tell he's not athletic. Um, but when I see him, I see that he hasn't given up a sack in his entire collegiate career. Uh, and it makes me think that there's a chance that he could be an exception to the rule that he may find some moderate success. Like, I don't know if he's going to make the Pro Bowl every year for a decade, but I think he might have a chance to stick on an NFL roster. Um, do you think that that's probably true? Like he could be a rotational yeah. guard? Yeah, absolutely. As long as as long as he can hold his body up, that's the other thing that, that goes into to bigger guys is the knees and the back, right? It, yeah. The bigger they are, the harder is to maintain that stuff. 
Um, but I actually created a subset on the website for big guys. I have a BG position that you can switch guys to look at, which is guys that are over 320 pounds. It's a whole separate data set um, to run Raz against. And he didn't score well, very well there either. Um, he's also scored below two when compared only to guys that are, are his size. Um, but again, it's, it doesn't mean that he's, he's destined for failure and you just lit the, the pick on fire, right? It, the guy's yeah. clearly got some talent on tape. Um, he's still able to do some stuff on a football field, whether that means he's going to be a long-term starter or a pro bowl level level guy that's still up in the air. I mean, you're not talking about a first round draft pick here. He wasn't picked until a little bit later. Yeah. I, I do want to reiterate that for Panthers fans listening to this, he was drafted in the sixth round with the 193rd pick in the draft. I wanted to say one other thing. I liked what you said about um, like how to use, like contextualize the data. Cause I feel like, the big like pushback against these kind of things and like against analytics and i put that in quotes because it's a very nebulous term that people use to kind of like encapsulate anything they don't understand that involves a number somewhere is that like nothing is going like it this is a human science thing like there's nothing that's going to be like like scientific about it where it's like this will work all the time no exceptions but if you follow this if you only follow this for example you would hit more than you'd miss in a sense and that's like, and then, so that. it comes out in the end, you win because you're missing anyway. But people like want to see this on a granular level, like what will work this exact time and nothing. There's no answer to that. Yeah. And you get that a lot with the guys that score high, too, because they'll, yeah. they'll point out the guys that, that still failed when they mm-hmm. scored high. But it's like, look, yeah. the hit rate is so much higher in that yeah. level that, yeah, there's going to be some misses. But I mean, if you just look at, at draft picks in general, draft picks generally fail. That's mm-hmm. just a fact. That's a, a mathematical fact that a draft yeah. pick is more likely to fail than to succeed. Uh, the idea for any draft is just to try to get as many uh, high probability hits as you can get. Yeah. Um, and athleticism is one of those things you can look at. Yeah, it's one of the. It's like you need. To, I think people kind of go into the the draft because I've talked about this a lot with because I've looked at stuff before where like there's no such thing as a good drafter or a bad drafter because it's all kind of chance. And so, like, when you kind of suspend this expectation or this um, belief that you can hit all of your picks based on your skill and your knowledge and just say, let's just increase our odds of getting as many good some. And like, because and then just try to make that like minimize that. That's kind of the approach as opposed to trying to hit all of them. Because that's just not feasible. Yeah. Get get the best odds that you can. Sometimes that means more draft tickets sometimes that just means making the most of the picks you got yeah exactly and yeah and not and not like i said not expecting them all to be hits or like discounting a strategy because it isn't 100 percent foolproof because there's just no strategy that does that um not one do you guys want to talk about like go kind of like player by player real quick yeah i think it's a good time to discuss jc horn because i think he uh i believe he uh he graded pretty well in your uh in your uh measurements there I think so. Yeah. Uh, JC Horn scored a 9.99 out of 10. Uh, I think it was second all time. If I'm, I might be misquoting whether it's, yes, second, you are correct no, it's, it's second, second all time, time because I was going to ask you who was first. <laughs> Byron Jones out of the, that is the, not the who I would have guessed. So it, it, Byron Jones set the world record for a broad jump at the NFL combine. When he, when he did it, he broad jumped 12 feet, three inches. Wow. So it, it really shouldn't be that big of a surprise. His worst test 
was his weight. He was, he was 199 pounds, which is really good for a corner. And that was his worst metric was, was he was only 200 pounds. Uh, everything else that he had was 85th percentile or better. Um, it, it's just an insane level athlete. Uh, what's exciting about Horn is that he falls into that, that range um, in cornerback where cornerback is, is just like most positions. It's better to have your top tier athletes, but the guys who are at the very top are, it's a really good list to have that very top. Not all positions are like that. Defensive tackle has a bunch of guys that are at or near the top that you probably never heard of. Most defensive tackles are really good athletes, but the guys at that very top, they just tend to be guys who are just athletes. They're not overall good football players, but corner, corner doesn't have that. Just in the top 25 of guys, and I have 1,790 cornerbacks in this database that have a score. So almost 1,800 guys. Uh, the top 25, you've got Byron Jones, who was a Pro Bowl level player. You got Marshawn Lattimore. You got Darrell Revis. C.J. Henderson, who was just a first-round pick by the Jaguars. Eric Rowe, who's been a pretty, pretty good corner over the last couple of years. Uh, Patrick Peterson is in that top 25. Carlos Rogers, who was a long-term starter for the Red for Washington football team and a couple other things. Jalen Ramsey, Shaquille Griffin, Dominic rogers Cromartie. Uh, these are all guys just in that top 25 who hit in the NFL. Almost half of the top 25 of these guys hit and became at least good starters in the NFL. That kind of hit rate in such a small group of players is insane. You don't get hit rates like that ever. And the top tier athletes at cornerback tend to get a really early shot in their NFL career, and they tend to do really well. There's some misses in that group, but hell, you, you're not going to find a single draft pick where you hit 50% of the time just by picking a number. Number one overall draft picks don't hit 50% of the time. Let it be known for the record that J.C. Horn is scores better than all but one of those guys he just mentioned. Thank you. <laughs> the record noted in the records. Yes. Um, but yeah, and that kind of like cornerback is what I would have probably, if I had to guess, would be the one that's most dependent on athleticism just because like obviously there's a ton involved technique wise. But that's the one position, especially when you talked about uh, bad athletes being a better predictor of bad players than good athletes being a good player is like you can have the best technique in the world. But if you're a corner that runs four six, like guys are just going to run away from you no matter what. Like yeah, it's a tough corner. to be a slow corner. It's, yeah. it's actually it's actually harder to be an, uh, an inexplosive corner than a slow one. You can make yeah. up a lot with speed, but if you're not explosive, that'll kill you. That'll yeah. kill you as a cornerback. Yeah, in the NFL, with how quick, like you know, how quick the ball gets out and the timing and everything, if you can't keep up with receivers out of their breaks, like you have just there's like nothing you can really do to overcome that. Nope. Move so. to safety. <laughs> Move to safety. <laughs> right. Not if you're inexplosive. There's a. The thing about safeties is safeties don't have to really be fast. We always talk about them being rangy, but a safety doesn't have to be straight line fast to be rangy. They've just got to be explosive enough to be moving before anybody else can start moving. They can, you can cover a lot of ground, which is fractions a second, man. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and you have a lot of safeties who don't run a great 40, but they're really explosive and they find success, not because they're straight line fast, but because speed isn't, isn't, run straight line fast it's get from point a to point b fast and if you can get started earlier and get a better head start than somebody else you can usually get there faster than somebody who might have better foot speed than you because you're not covering 40 yards on every football play 
yeah like if you're covering if you're covering like a deep if you're a deep safety like a single deep safety single eye safety like just it uh like just kind of like rough you're only covering half the field and that's what like 26 26 and a half yards yep and like so you don't have to run the whole 53 yard width of the field like so you know sideline to sideline to cover space and if you're you're taking the right angles you're you're setting yourself up to to throw the guy off his route and all that it's, it's a lot more to yeah. it than just that straight line speed yeah um i guess we'll just do you guys want to just go like like one after the other and just kind of like knock them out or do you want to kind of talk about general trends yeah we can get into terrorism. i think Marshall. we should talk about some general trends with like the top like four, like the top five, five. guys well, like, like the stop top it, five are stop all at chuba hubbard okay because well, like they're I all mean, yeah because round five six and seven nobody really cares yeah. i do want to ask this question real quick before we kind of go in depth a little more in a little more detail is it normal because like the panthers draft it started off with the jc horn with a 9.99 and it kind of like decreased as the draft went over like went along i'm assuming that's kind of the trend for the draft as a whole right like yeah more athletic players are generally drafted up top and then they kind of get less athletic as we go yeah, you, you average a higher score in the first round than the second round, higher in the second than the third. Yeah. Um, the, four, the fourth and the fifth round are pretty much the same. Uh, and then after that, it's it's just leveled out. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you can kind of imagine just a roller coaster, you know, it, it, it mm-hmm. starts really high and then it goes down and then it just kind of levels out. Yeah. yeah that, that's pretty much what happened with ours, with the exception of <laughs> Keith Taylor and Deontay Brown. It goes down like. Nine 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 seven seven nine eight four eight nine one eight four four eight three eight. It just keeps going down, and there's the yeah. two in the middle that were lower than the sixth and seventh round. But so yeah, the, the math checks out there. At least in our anecdotal <laughs> evidence here. <Yeah. laughs> well, that's why I asked because, and then I do want to ask about the approach in general. But yeah, like if that's just kind of, and I would expect it to be pretty common that like the best athletes go first because every even. Even without like using the math, I think people like intuitively believe like you know if you have a play like player A and player B are the same like skill level, the more athletic one is more likely to succeed. I think you know that's kind of like commonly understood, even if it wasn't. It's not always been quantified. Yeah, and it, it really is. It's just it, a lot of people just use it as a tiebreaker. Yeah, you know, if, if they're looking at two different two different guys. Maybe I think I mean, and like in this whole conversation, I think like it probably should be more about teach somebody like to refine football skills, especially especially you know depending on the position than it is to like take a guy who's an average to below average athlete and make him an NFL caliber athlete. Like that's not necessarily something that can be taught as easily. It's very genetically influenced. Um, so I guess to, well, Brad, did you say you wanted to go pick by pick for the first five? Yeah, we can do that. Okay, so Terrace Marshall. Um, Terrace, Terrace Marshall scored a 9.77, man. That's a hell of an athlete. Yeah. I did not realize he was athletic when I was just, like, watching highlights of him and watching and kind of, like, like looking at who he was as a prospect. Yeah, especially like, when you see his size because he's considered a big wide receiver because he's, mm-hmm. like, 6'3", 200, 205 pounds, I believe is his yeah. Like, he's – He's generally looked at as just the big red zone target. I, I was surprised to see that he was that athletic as well. Yeah, part of that's LSU's offense. You know, they they you you'll hear a common complaint where guys will take plays off, um, but that's that's by design because not every play is designed to have a guy run a route. It's the same thing that Baylor made famous some years ago by just 
and this side of the field will run routes. This side of the field's basically just taking a break. You know, they, they yeah. set it up that way. LSU does some of the same type of things where not everybody is going to be engaged and active on every single play. Um, but yeah, Marshall's Marshall's a really good athlete for 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 where he tested for size even too. You know, nine point seven seven out of ten. I have twenty five hundred wide receivers in this database. Uh, are, you, are you 60th? So that's pretty good. Are you surprised at how late in the second round he went? Not no, because it's not about it's not a talent. Talent isn't the reason he fell. Injuries is the reason that he fell. Um, there's some injury flags on him that, that I guess came up late in the draft process. Um, and those are really hard to predict, but it, it's kind of one of those things where like you can't be surprised when they go early and you can't really be surprised when they fall either. Because we're not doctors, we're not you know orthopedic surgeons. We're we're just fans. Well, some of us are. I'm not. I don't mean to imply. That <laughs> I'm not. I'm, none I'm of not an orthopedic surgeon. Are you <laughs> safe in making that assumption? Yeah, but you know we don't we don't have all the information and and how much that stuff matters. But it's never really a surprise when somebody comes up with an injury thing and then they end up falling. It's that risk management thing. Even though I do think the idea of like. Obviously, depending on what it is, the injury history tends to get overvalued when people are looking at players where it's like, hey, this guy like hurt his knee once. Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, obviously, those obviously there's injuries. A, yeah. Where it's like this guy got hurt twice, so he's going to obviously keep getting hurt. It's like, well, you know, when you have a sampling, a sample of thousands and thousands of players, like there are going to be instances where somebody randomly gets hurt two different times and they're completely unrelated. But I, I just look at it as like John Ross got drafted like. 10th overall or wherever it was by the Bengals and like John Ross had such a long injury history yeah you you couldn't even fit all of his injury if you just typed the injury into Twitter (laughs) you could you couldn't even fit them all in one tweet because he had been hurt so often in his college career um and he still got drafted (laughs) what like ninth right yeah, it's, it's some really high score. And now, and that, yeah, and then in that case, like, yeah, where it becomes like like that common of a thing, I think it needs to be considered. But like, I think sometimes it's like, oh, this guy has like a sore, like a bad knee, and it's like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean that like it's going to be a problem anytime soon. Right. It's just yeah. Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's something. We don't really yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and for the well, record, Terrace Marshall's injury history is ankle injuries and a broken leg that yeah, came out like leg. during the draft process. So. It may or may not be an issue for him, you know, yeah. when he suits up for the Panthers. So hopefully what's it's exciting. Not. What's exciting from an athletic standpoint is that athleticism, believe it or not, has been a really good predictor for wide receivers. <laughs> Shocking. Um, it has it has some of the best, most notable outliers that you'll ever find. And I'll, I'll mention a couple of those. But from an from an overall standpoint, wide receivers tend to be really, really good athletes. Um, looking at just thousand yard receivers over the last 35 years, um, 54% of the, the, them have been guys with an eight or higher for rats. So over half of your thousand yard receivers are in the top 20% athletically. So that's a pretty significant hit rate having guys that often hitting for something like a thousand yard season. That's, a, that's measurable, a measurable statistic. Um, you know, it's, it's not the pro bowls where only have a couple, we're talking 266 wide receivers that qualified for Raz over the last 35 years and 144 of them were an eight or higher. And Marshall's not an eight Marshall's 9.77. He's, yeah. he's much, much higher than that. Um, actually I can pull up nine too, just to see what percentage of nine is a hundred, hundred out of 244, 266, whatever that is. 
37%. So 37% of the thousand yard receivers are in that top 10% where Marshall is. Still a really high hit percentage. So that's that's exciting. You have a guy that, that from a trend standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, is likely to hit just using athletic testing and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, he's also got good tape. So yeah. <laughs> if he stays healthy, he's, you got you got a good got a good player in your hands. And then is that kind of the same thing that goes for Brady Christensen? Christensen moving on to like the next pick because he oh, yeah. tested off the charts and then also has at least decent tape from what from what I can gather. Yeah, Brady Christensen, same thing. Offensive tackles tend to test really, really well. There's only been two offensive tackles in the last 20 years that scored below a five uh, and still made a Pro Bowl. One of them is where was Orlando Brown, which just happened. Um, mm. The other one was Trent Brown, right? The guy was Patriots, went to the Raiders, I think, and then went back. Yeah. So, so if his name's not Brown, then like, you definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's a good chance. Well, yeah. that that means Deontay Brown is probably. Yeah, screwed. there we go. So we'll be all right. No, <laughs> no we'll be all right. We'll Deontay be all right. right. Yeah. <laughs> we just got to put him at left tackle. Good. We cracked the code. You just if you have to be athletic or have the last name Brown to succeed as an offensive lineman. Yep. Yep. So, so let me uh, ask you this about Christensen. Uh, like we said, he tested off the charts athletically. Do you put any value in the complaint? Well, I don't know if complaint's the right word, but that his arms are too short? That comes up all the time. And there's varying degrees of how much that matters because there's very clear outliers that we've seen in the past. Uh, well, actually, I can't even really say very clear because Joe Thomas is the biggest one. Joe Thomas had 32 and a half inch arms. But Joe Thomas has said himself that he doesn't think his arms were even measured correctly. So he, he doesn't even believe that he got he got a, a the short end of the stick as it came out when he got tested. So, you know, it's it's not always about whether you test very good with your arms. Now, that said, most tackles have really long arms. The, the average arm length for an NFL starter over the last five seasons was over 34 inches. So the idea that it's it's not a concern at all, um, I I wouldn't fall into that either. I would never say that it's not a concern because we've seen in the past, based on just like I said, the last five years, that most starters are above that because it's averaging in that area. There's guys that are way higher than that. Um, guys with shorter arms, they tend to end up inside. That's just the way that it usually works out. That doesn't mean that that's where he's destined to go. And I, I'm a big believer that everybody that, that has good tackle tape should get a shot on the outside before they get pushed inside. Uh, especially when they have really good athletic testing like Brady Christensen did. Um, you know, all of his tests uh, outside of his size were 92nd percentile or higher, all of them, all eight tests. The, the 40 and both his splits, shuttle and, and cone, vert and broad, all 92nd percentile or higher. That's, that's the level of athlete you're talking about. It's not a little bit. So the fact that he's got 33 and a quarter inch arms instead of four 34 inch arms is not a huge deal to me. That's that's three quarters of an inch on both sides. Um, he's explosive, he's fast, and he's quick. I think he can make up three quarters of an inch. Yeah, I was gonna say you can cover that ground by like being a little quicker out of your set or yep. being able to react a little faster to handle like different moves and stuff like different counters and stuff like that. Yeah, All right, Brad, you can. You, what'd you say? Yeah, get your hands. Got to get his hands on. Yeah. Brad, you want to talk about your favorite player? Yeah, I want to talk about my favorite player. Um, Tommy Tremble has an a Raz of 8.91. I, A, want to know why it wasn't higher. And B, <laughs> um, what do you 
what do you think? Because I've seen on draft day, they they said he has the potential to be the next George Kittle because he came out similarly to Kittle coming out of college. He wasn't thrown to that much. He doesn't have that much tape as a receiver. Uh, he does need to work on catching the ball, but he's a tremendous blocking tight end, more of an H-back type guy. Uh, do you see Trimble being able to become the next George Kittle, or is that just wishful thinking? You know, and we're, we're talking about being the best in the NFL, right? So you, George Kittle wasn't an early round pick. You know, he, he wasn't a guy that came off the board right away. He should have been. Um, I had a very high draft game on George Kittle, so I'm, I'm, I'm still salty that he went as low as he did and that my team, the Lions, tra- drafted a below-average athlete at tight end around earlier than Kittle went. So I'm that? salty. Uh, Michael something i'm forgetting his name he was huge he had like 11 and a quarter inch hands or something like that um huge dude out of, out of like toledo or someplace but yeah he was then, it was not a great pick it's and that's one of those things where it's like especially with tight end where it's like of course he needs to be a good athlete right right like, yeah <laughs> tight end yeah. is extremely tight end or athleticism driven like i said before very few tight ends find success uh, when they haven't tested really well. And and the thing about Tremble is that he tested really well. Um, you want to know why it's not higher? He's not big. Um, and that's it. It's, it's uh, Michael big. Roberts was the name of that tight yes, end, in Michael case Roberts, anybody was wondering. Um, <laughs> I looked it up because I was curious. <laughs> yeah. um, ironically, not, I don't think he ever dropped a pass in college, and that's all he did when he was a pro. <laughs> so, it's a different game. It is. Tight end is, tight end is nuts, man. And that's um, the thing too with this athletic testing is that like all these different, you know, the different production and stuff that shows up in college, like it's a lot different playing college football than NFL football. And it's a lot like the adaptability is very dependent on, you know, how much a player can keep up athletically with their peers. Like you can be really, really good in college just by like being more like fine tuned than other people. Cause you aren't playing that many good athletes that can overwhelm you athletically. So you can win by being more skilled or more savvy or further along in your development. And a lot of what you see at tight end is you see guys that are just bigger. They're just, they're just bigger. So they're able to box guys out. Yeah. Um, But that's not going to be enough in the NFL because you might be bigger, but they're more athletic and they're more explosive. Linebackers are able to jump a lot higher in the NFL than those pack 12 linebackers (laughs) that are covering you as, as a six foot seven tight end. Yeah, you know, and and tight ends are starting to adjust to that. Tight ends have been getting smaller over the last few years because we aren't seeing the same big hulking monstrosities out there we used to have in the '80s. We're seeing a lot leaner athletes, and it, Kittle wasn't the one that that made that like a tipping point. It's been happening for a while, um, but he's definitely the best of that group. I think the guys that are a little bit smaller who are able to make all those big mismatches across the field. Um, if you want to see a funny search term, go on Twitter, pick any early round projected tight end and the words mismatch nightmare. Um, <laughs> and you'll find like 3000 hits for every single one of them. Um, it happens or a matchup nightmare. I mean, matchup nightmare. Um, but the, it's because it's such a big weapon when you get it. Yeah. Um, I don't know that Tommy Tremble is going to be that guy. I'm, I'm almost certain he wouldn't be right out of the gate. Um, but he's got that upside. He's got that talent. He's got that level of, of ability and, and athleticism to be able to be that guy. Um, ironically, we just talked about arm length for tackles. I think that's probably the only issue that I had with Tommy Tremble on tape is that his arms are just not very long. Um, he didn't test with, with very long arms, under 32 inches. 
Um, that can be limiting as a tight end because you want to you want to be able to to hit and release guys as a blocker. Um, sometimes that's tough if a guy has longer arms than you. Because defensive ends with those big arms, they can long arm you and get you out of the way. Which if you're releasing, that throws you off your route. It, it, it slows you down as you're trying to release onto a route. Plus now you got a guy running at your quarterback. Um, it can be a little bit limiting. Um, I'm not concerned about it from a receiving standpoint though. Yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 one of those that like I I guess it would technically matter in terms of like catch radius and stuff, but not enough to like make yeah. a noticeable difference in actual yeah, exactly. like on field production or something. Um, yeah, it, it only matters if you're not explosive and flat and fast. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I will kind of like grab these last two out of the the Big Twelve to get or I guess Big Twelve and Big Ten uh, together, and then um kind of talk about the Panthers in general um chuba hubbard i didn't realize like i didn't think he was as athletic as he tested um because he seemed to be kind of stiff but i guess like what was i guess what was he best at like what from his scoring like kind of set him apart as being such a good athlete speed uh he ran Just a four five speed. yeah yeah he ran a four five which people don't don't really think of a four five as fast but four five is a lot faster than you think it is um mm. yeah, he he ran For a really running good, back especially yeah yeah he ran a really good 40 um People like people want their their guys to be four three guys, but four five is plenty fast. Um, he's more explosive than I expected to be. One of my concerns with him on tape is that it, I I didn't see the explosion there. The mm-hmm. speed was clearly there, but I didn't think the explosion was there. He tested fine there. Um, all of his explosion drills were good. Uh, his agility was poor. Um, I think that I think that is where some of that stiffness shows up on tape is when he's yeah. trying to make cuts and when he's trying to change direction. Um, you'll sometimes hear those that uh, he needs a, a runway to get going. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's usually because the guy can't change direction, direction quickly. He's not a very good one cut guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a little bit of what you're getting with Chuba, Chuba Hubbard is that he's not, he's not going to be quite as dynamic as you guys are used to seeing. I mean, you guys <laughs> have got a pretty decent running back that you've had. He's, a, he's okay. Yeah, yeah Reggie Bonifon right. is pretty good. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, you're used to seeing one thing. He's not that thing. Um, yeah. but he's, he's got, he's got good enough athletic traits to get you by and speed is one of those X factors. Cause if you got it and your offensive line is even a little bit good, speed can get you really far. Yeah. Cause all you got to do is just run to the open space. And if you're fast, you yep. cover more of that open space. Exactly. People get to you. Yeah. And then, um, I guess the last one, the last like super athlete that the, the Panthers drafted was Davion Nix. Um, is he, he tests kind of small, but then like kind of made up for it by all the like movement athleticism, so to speak. Um, his, his size was all right. I mean, you're you're thinking small because he's not a nose tackle, right? He looks, yeah. He well, it's more <laughs> just how he looks. Yeah, no, his, oh, he's, definitely, he's definitely he's definitely a little bit leaner, but that's yeah, that's mostly because he's got freaking thirty five inch arms. I mean, his okay, arms are, <laughs> his arms are extremely long. Um, he's, he's got, he's got tree trunks for arms, right? <laughs> Usually it's the, the legs that get that. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not super explosive from a testing standpoint. His agility, his drills were just okay. Um, I think, I don't think, I don't think that really shows up on tape. I think he looks pretty explosive on tape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and his time, his time drills show that he had, he had a, a 90th percentile 10 split and 40 yard dash. Um, people always get this mis- misperception in their head about the 40 yard dash and big guys where they don't think the 40 yard dash matters because they're like, when's a defensive tackle or an offensive tackle or a guard or whatever, when are they going to run 40 yards? Um, and you're right. They don't run 40 yards often. You wouldn't expect them to. 
Um, but it's not really what you're measuring. You're, you're measuring, can this guy explode out of his stance, get up to full speed, maintain that speed across the distance? Mm -hmm. uh, because they do that all the time, every play, every play. Because defensive tackles have to explode from a stance every single play, get up to speed, and then maintain that speed if they can get up to speed to try to get to the quarterback. The idea is crossing 10 to 20 yards extremely quickly. Um, and that's what you're really testing. And, and Nixon tested really well in that area. Um, I don't really have too many concerns with him as an interior rusher. Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, it's the like maybe like the yards twenty to forty aren't like what's super important in terms of like direct translation to the football field. Not that they're not important in terms of like measuring a general like athletic ability, but it has very valuable pieces of information within it. Yeah, and if they break down after twenty yards, they're gonna break down after ten after five or six snaps. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of it's like a it's a all-in-one like uh, measure of like quickness out of a stance and then also stamina yeah our ability to like kind of keep your energy up i'm gonna try to run some calculations here in a minute because he's also got a really good uh yeah he does too so he's got a, a 1.95 what's called a flying 20 mm -hmm. which is the, uh, the last yeah the last 20 yards um that's really good. And the, the defensive tackles that have that really good uh, flying 20 are your Aaron Donald types. I'm not comparing him to Aaron Donald. Don't Aaron Donald. Davion Nixon oh, is Aaron Donald. We dropped Aaron Donald in the fifth round. <laughs> but it is one of those things that you don't really expect, but it's a big indicator of success, guys. They can get that speed at that size and then maintain mm -hmm. it across the distance. There's not a lot of those guys that can maintain that level of speed. Yeah. Yeah, 1.99 was Aaron Donald. 1.95 is Nixon. That's, oh, so that's David not, Nixon's that's better than Aaron Donald. Though. Close enough to me. No, yeah, we drafted it's, Aaron Donald. <laughs> it's it's slightly yeah, it's it's slightly faster. That's that's crazy speed right there. Yeah, which everybody like, kind of showed up on like the one the interception he had where like obviously he wasn't being chased by anybody, but like you could just kind of tell it's like dang, he moves pretty well for a big dude. Yeah. Yeah, the, the other the other four picks we had, um, they all tested mediocre. I guess mediocre would be the best word to use. Um, they're in the sixes. I, I like to say above average because it's yeah, above average. True, yellow it's on the <laughs> It's almost um, seven. Like they're all above yeah. six and at, like six point five. So um, like. The one that sticks out to me, I'm not gonna go on a uh, shy Smith rant here because you know I have a bias there, but. Um, the long snapper Thomas Fletcher from Alabama. Does the the raw score really have anything to do with the long snapper? Like I know you test them because they're draft picks, but is athleticism really that much of a an important skill for a long snapper? I mean, if you want an athletic long snapper, we've got a metric that'll tell you if you've got. <laughs> okay, um, I think you'd prefer your long snappers to be athletic, right? How do you like they have to cover measure... punts and stuff? How do you measure if a long snapper, what's the success for that? Because there's only like yeah. two pro bowlers a year. <laughs> and I the mean, pro bowl long no... snappers are usually just like the long snappers for the good teams. Like, yeah, or the ones that have been around forever. It's like yeah. it's their turn. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. nobody's like, yeah, yeah the, 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 the Bengals were terrible this year, but you know who was good? Their long snapper was real good. Yeah, do you, like, do you see that? Do you see he could snap real long? Like, real long. <laughs> his his snaps are quicker than anybody. 
Uh, yeah, right. I, don't, I don't mean to, to, to denigrate long snapper. It's an important position on a football field, and that's why you're able to draft one and not feel bad about it. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't buy, I don't buy the whole you shouldn't draft long snappers, you shouldn't draft kickers. If you need one, get one. Yeah, um, yeah we drafted the wrong one, though. Oh, oh, did you? There was another one? Yeah, Cheeseman. the Cheeseman. We should have drafted Cheeseman. Oh, just, just so you could have the Cheeseman? Yeah, yeah just, just for the Cheeseman. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. But um, in general, for those like later picks, um, like are those scores like those above average ish scores? Like, uh, is that generally about like the range you would be looking for in those later rounds? Like, I'm assuming there aren't that many guys that are still scoring like eights and nines on the board in like round six and seven, like in the two hundreds. Yeah, there's less. Um, you'd be surprised. You know, I I, I should be sitting here because it's my metric. I should be sitting here going, oh yeah, it's always better to take a higher guy. Yeah. Personally. If I was running a franchise, that's what I'd do. I'd play the numbers every single time. <laughs> um, but historically, that hasn't really been the case. And it's, it's in positions, again, that you wouldn't really think it. Uh, we mentioned cornerback before about how athletically driven cornerback is uh, in the first three rounds. Um, when mm-hmm. you're drafting a cornerback by value in the first three rounds, you want an athlete. The guys with the low scores tend to bust. The guys with the high scores tend to have a better chance of success. Outside of the first three rounds, that trend is a lot murkier. Um, in part because you don't get a lot of hits outside of the first three. Yeah, just in general, yeah. Once you get to those day three guys, you don't get a lot of hits anyway. So I, I think when you're starting to look at those those dart throws in the later rounds, it's it's really more about preference for scheme than anything else. Um, scheme plays such a huge part in how guys are drafted anyway. Uh, ev- everybody's drafted for, for, for scheme. We always say things like, oh, he's a, a system quarterback. Every quarterback is a system quarterback. They wouldn't be drafted for that team if they weren't good for that system. Yeah. Um, but it's the same at every position. There's, there's some scheme. You can get over that if you're a better athlete. Sometimes if you're not the best athlete, but you fit in that system, you can still do really well. Uh, the Lions just picked up Corn Elder. I loved Corn Elder coming out, and I knew he was going to test like trash, and then he <laughs> did. And I don't even care. And I didn't care then because he's a lot of fun. And in certain schemes – you can use a player like that because he's instinctive and he wants to hit you and he's good enough at everything else that he can get by. Um, but he was just not a great athlete. And was, it was makes you feel any better. Athlete. We were mad that we didn't re-sign him. I, I wasn't. He went to my team. Yeah, I know. <laughs> totally for it. I had three different people go to my DMs and be like, oh, I bet you hate that one. I was like, you have not watched my timeline. I love Corey. <laughs> I, um, I do love that too, where it's like, hey, you have this general principle you follow. I bet you hate everything that goes. 
Yeah. Necessarily, <laughs> like I do have like personal preferences and things. Yeah. For reference, he had a 1.97 out of 10 RAS, and oh, only one of his metrics, bad. only one of his tests was above average, and it was barely, barely above average. Actually, it might be dead average. It was, it was what, a 35-inch vertical. Oh. <laughs> um, everything else was below average. He was poor at everything else. Um, and I, I never expect him to be to test well in anything. He's just not a, a great testing athlete. But yeah, he's made it work. Um, he was he was good. I was I was for him. I'm glad that he found some success. I'm glad my team has him now. Yeah. So in general, like late rounds, you're like you said, you're kind of like kind of a, like you said, you're more going for like scheme fit or like skill set fit. And then again, and he's like the athleticism is a tiebreaker, kind of like we talked about earlier, or like kind yeah, of like yeah, referring absolutely. to it as like a tool is like this guy's a good scheme fit, but if he's like a two athlete and this guy maybe is like slightly less of a scheme fit, but it's like a seven because he's just more likely to be able to overcome yep. any like downsides or he has. more dynamic right or yeah more, dynamic in the scheme. more flexible um, or yeah or uh, versatile and not need to be like pigeonholed to a single role that he can do well it's also that you're not really looking for pro bowlers in the later rounds no you're, you're generally looking i mean it's great if you get them. it really is but but An- uh, antonio brown wasn't drafted because they were like oh this guy's gonna be one of the best receivers <laughs> in the nfl for a decade no. um antonio brown was a punt returner yeah, that was that was his whole scouting report. Was like, look how good he returns punts. Um, you know, that's that's what you're looking for in the later rounds, anyway. So you don't you're not looking for the guys that are going to be superstars. You're looking for guys that fill very specific roles who could do other stuff. It's great if they can do other stuff. Um, you know, obviously there's situations where guys hit hard. We mentioned George Kittle, Travis Kelsey is another example of a guy that wasn't drafted in the first round who hit hard. You know, but you're looking for guys that you think can contribute and those don't necessarily have to be those elite tier athletes. Yeah. AKA special teams players. Yeah. Well, as we said on the podcast before, we look for the, the Pete, what they win at in the NFL in those later rounds where in the earlier rounds you're looking for, you're looking at more so what they would lose at in the NFL. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I I'm just a little curious and you, I don't know if you'll know this off the top of your head, but where did Richard Sherman gra- uh, grade on your RAS? Richard Sherman is one of the one of the reasons I made this metric. Um, okay, Le'Veon Bell was another one. Both of those guys ran a four six, and they were considered bad athletes, which was absolute garbage. Because it, the moment you look past that forty yard dash time, you see how garbage that is. Uh, Richard Sherman had a seven point five four RAS, so he he was not a poor scoring athlete. He wasn't some scrub of an athlete. Um, he had great uh, explosive drills for his size, even better. Um, he just ran a four six. He just wasn't super fast, and that was the whole reason that he was a bad athlete because he ran a four six. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was the same thing. You know, he, he was a he ran a four six, so he was this poor athlete. But like, he was a two hundred and thirty pound running back who ran a six eighty five uh, three cone, which is bonkers if he was five nine one eighty, and he ran it at two hundred and thirty pounds. You know, it's that that kind of contextualization of being able to look at a guy and say and say, yeah, maybe he tested poor in this one area, but all that other stuff makes up for it. Richard Sherman had that, and it it I laugh every time it comes up because that's the that's the, the mantra people tell him. Well, Richard Sherman wasn't that great an athlete. Um, <laughs> like we say about Jerry Rice. Yeah, Jerry Rice had that whole myth about him running a four seven. That wasn't even true, but it a good story. So people kept repeating it. <laughs> what was his forty? Uh, he ran supposedly in the four fives, 
That's that's the closest we could get. Um, regular wide that. receiver speed. Uh, just, yeah, regular Jerry wide receiver speed. average speed. He wasn't yeah. slow. Um, what was uh, DK Metcalf's RAS score? DK Metcalf? Yeah, I remember Metcalf the, big, the big thing about him was his three-cone drill was terrible, so he yeah. wasn't going to be good in the NFL. Yeah, and that was hilarious because that was another one that was like they tried to pull that he's not that great of an athlete, and I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's like 90th percentile or better in everything except those agility drills. But now he's a bad athlete because that – I mean, he benched, he benched 27 times. That's 99th percentile. He had an 11-2 broad, 99th percentile. He had a 40.5-inch firm, 97th percentile. He ran a 4-3-3, 99th percentile. Oh, but man, there's Dolan Cole times. He can't turn. Oh, and guess what Seattle did with him? They just let him run the nine route, and he gets (laughs) wide open down the field. Hey, it's like they can find ways to get him to win. Right? And now he's trying that to be an Olympian. Do, and now he's trying to be an Olympian. Yep. He could, man. Let him do it. I'd love to see that. <laughs> um, I, I feel like just before, for the intimidation factor, too. Just like right? his size. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned before, you know, there's a lot of receivers who didn't test well and found success. And a lot of that is because you can win in so many different ways as a receiver. Hmm. Um, Anquan Bolton's one of my favorite guys to talk about because he wasn't fast and he wasn't super explosive. But if the ball was in the air, and it was going to where he could catch it, you had to beat him for that ball. Um, and it's not necessarily it's in the perfect spot. It just has to be somewhere where he can get it. And then you had to beat him to get that football. And you probably couldn't because he was so tough and so physical. And he attacked the ball so hard in the air that you just weren't going to win most of the time. But that's not tested in the drills that we cover. Those aren't, yeah. those aren't in these. Um Antonio Brown didn't test all that well, but he was quick and he tested quick. And a lot of guys are like that too, where they'll test in one area really well. Uh, Cooper Cup is another example who tested well in one area, but none of the others. So he's a below average athlete, but he has a way that he can win. And if you can find a way to make that translate to the NFL. You can leverage that skill, that one. You can leverage that skill, man. And a lot of guys do it. we, We always use that. He has one trick, but it's a really good trick. Uh, and receiver, you can abuse the hell out of having one yeah. really good trick, just a lot. Because all you gotta do is find that, <laughs> that one guy you know you can beat, and make sure you're on that guy. Yeah, it's just like yeah. if, if you're only fast, and obviously like, if you're only fast, and it's just like, well, all we need to do is if he's matched up on the corner that's not fast, like just run faster, and you'll be open. Right. Exactly. And like you might not be able to be like a pro bowler like that, but you'll at least be able to contribute. Uh, Deshaun Jackson's been in the NFL for like 27 years. That's all he's <laughs> All he does he's is just fast. runs fast. <laughs> hey, he's got a hell of a career, man. Made a lot oh, of yeah. money just by running fast. He's still around. Wait, he's – oh, you signed him. The Lions signed him, didn't they? Uh, no, I don't – I'm pretty sure he's still around, though. I'm pretty sure he's still signed somewhere. Oh, it was the Rams. Where it was the Rams. I have the Lions yeah. and the Rams, I have them like entangled in my brain because of the, the trades. Yeah. Yeah, plus we have their old general manager, so we're, yeah. we're doing a lot of stuff that they used to do. Yeah. But um, I guess the last thing I would I think we should we should ask is, like, what did you think of the Panthers draft as a whole? I know you're not, like, probably super, like, plugged in because you're not a fan of the team like we are, but, like, just kind of, like, looking at it, what was your takeaway from how they approached it in terms of, like, the athletes they took, the players they took, the all the picks they made, and so on? 
Well, it is part of my other job to make sure I'm tuned into the rest of the teams in the NFL. I, for Pro Football Network, I run their mock draft simulator. Okay. So gotcha. I have to have at least a vague idea of yeah. what the team's like. Enough that I can get yelled at by the fans and understand <laughs> what I'm getting yelled at for. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, 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 the Panthers needed a corner, and they got a really, really good one. I, I don't think there's any, any question that that was a need that they were able to fill. Um, they, they filled it with a really good player. Yeah, you know, J.C. Horn is a fantastic corner, one of the top defenders in this draft class. So I think they did a great job addressing a need early on. Um, I love Tommy Tremble. Um, I think he might have been drafted too early for where he probably would have been, but this is a weak tight end draft class. Um, there weren't a lot of high-end talent in this class. It was basically just uh, pits and then this massive drop-off before you got to the next tier of guys. So I, I think that might have been a little bit of a reach from a value standpoint, not from a talent standpoint, just value. Um, Terrace Marshall is only a risk because of the injuries from an actual receiving on-field production standpoint and athletic standpoint. I, I don't consider that a risk at all. I think that's perfectly fine. Um, anytime you get a guy that has those risks and you get them where they got Marshall, if he hits, that's great value. So I have no concerns with that. Davion Nixon was considered one of the top defensive tackles in this class. It's a weak defensive tackle class. That usually just means that guys get drafted too early. Um, he wasn't drafted too early. He got drafted right about where he should have. Um, Brady Christensen, I'm a huge Brady Christensen fan, so I love the fact that you guys got him. At the very worst, you're going to have a starting offensive lineman because even if he doesn't work out at tackle, he's going to be able to work out at guard, and I think he'll be fine. Um, and they got good value for him as well. The rest of the guys, you got Shai Smith. I love Shai Smith, so I think that's a perfect pickup here. Um, you drafted a long snapper, so people can make fun of you for it. And that <laughs> takes some of, the, some of the pressure off of other teams because they can go, well, we didn't draft a long snapper at least. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we had 32 picks, so we had to you right. know, think outside of the box. <laughs> yeah, but I, like I said before, I'm, I'm, I don't really care if you draft a long snapper. It, all, all those last rounds are is just calling dibs on undrafted free agents. That's all. Yeah, that doing. we've we've said that on this podcast several times, so yeah, we we fully agree there. There's there's no nothing that that says that sixth and seventh round picks have a significant amount of value. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to find some hits? Sure, but it's there's not there's so few and far between that it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, Hoskins was only really the only guy that I didn't care for in your guys' draft class. I didn't, I didn't really care for Hoskins. Um, but that's, you know, picking at that point. We're just, you got to find something to pick at. If, you're, yeah, if, we're, if, we're, if our complaint is the, geez, Brian. Um, if our complaint is the, the 232nd pick in the draft wasn't an ideal pick, like, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, we he also, might not yeah. even make the team, so. Yeah. Yeah, we had the same problem. The, the only guy that I had a, a problem with was our last pick, and he was even later. He was one of the last picks in the draft. Like one of those um, comp picks? Yeah. So we, we had traded down for somebody. But yeah, it was a comp seventh that we had traded for, and we drafted some running back that I didn't really care for. But then we picked up two undrafted guys that are better, so I don't really care that we got them <laughs> because we, we managed to get a couple other guys anyway. Uh, but from an overall standpoint, I think the Panthers did a good job of addressing the needs that they had for a team. I think they spent the right amount of value for most of their players. Um, and I think they gambled on athletic, on athletic talent in the positions that you should gamble on athletic talent. Um, they passed over guys that, that had weaker testing results and wouldn't have been as good a gamble. And they picked up guys at or above value in general for positions that they needed. You can't really do much worse than that you can't hear better than that you, you can't really expect much better than that they, they did a good job 
one other guy I want to talk about, and we haven't even mentioned this, is the undrafted free agents. We we signed David Moore, the guard from Grambling. Do you have any thoughts on him? I know he was a highly love him. Highly touted. <laughs> I didn't even realize you guys too. got. Yeah. Um, he wasn't a great testing athlete, but I he love was. David Moore. I love David Moore. I had a fourth round grade on David Moore. Oh, that's good. So, we needed more D Moores on our offense. Yeah, so we have DJ Moore and David Moore, and now David Moore. So yeah, so I love I love this specific David Moore from Grand State. <laughs> um, very good developmental pick. Um, we mentioned arm size a couple of times on this, but like he he bench pressed thirty one times. Bench press is not a great measure of strength, but he has 30, 34 inch arms, and he bench pressed thirty one times. That's impressive. Um, one of the things a lot of people don't really get about the bench press is it's very physics it's just basic physics right you're pushing a weight from a lever up um the further out your arms are from your body the harder it is to bench press so a lot of guys will have long arms and they won't bench very well um i think ziggy ansa did that um Javion Clowney, i want to say had that problem where people were like oh he's worried about his play strength because he didn't bench all that much yeah he's got like 35 inch arms and he didn't bench that well i don't care that he didn't bench that well but to that same respect, if you have long arms and you do bench well, it's impressive because now you're talking about legitimate strength, something that you can really look at and be like, that's not expected. You know, if a guy with short arms benches a bunch, that's not that impressive because he's just kind of going like that. It's, that's easy. That's nothing. You get way the heck out here, and it's a lot harder to do that. Um, I love David Moore. I'm, I'm excited for you guys to get him. I'm, I'm not going to say 100% chance that he gets a roster spot because that's never a certainty in the NFL. Um, but I'm excited for him, and I hope that he does get a, get a roster spot with you guys because he's one of my favorite guys. I think he has a good chance to make the team because we need offensive line help, especially interior offensive line. So I think I think he has a pretty good shot. I like how we can tell that Brian has something to say because we just hear like the storm come into the chat. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I was just going to ask you about. Um, the Panthers corner they drafted in the fifth round just to get your thoughts on him. Cause I, I haven't really gotten any like real thoughts on uh, Keith Taylor from Washington. I don't know if you have any thoughts on him, but from what I've gathered from just the small amount of research I've done, it seems like he's very good at contesting the catch point And that's pretty much it. Yeah. He's, He's a bit here and there as far as his actual tape. I, I only watched a couple of games with him, um, and primarily it was watching guys against him, and they didn't really have too hard of a time. Uh, that's not a good endorsement of a cornerback. Um, from an athletic standpoint, though, you're, you're talking about a bigger corner. He's 6'2". Um, he's got to put on some some weight onto his frame, some muscle onto his frame. He's a bit, a bit too lean for what you really want in the NFL. I'm not sure you're going to see a whole lot of him at all as a rookie anyway. You're probably going to see very little of Keith Taylor, um, watch him be like day one starter or something now, <laughs> but, uh, that'd be great for you guys, but I'd look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 a lot of the, a lot of one, one of the things that keeps guys off the field as rookies is your frame. You'll have a lot of guys that come in and they just don't have an NFL body yet. They've, they've really got to, got to either put on some weight or lose some bad weight. Um, I think that's the situation with Taylor is he's got to kind of put on some muscle and, and fill out his frame a little bit more before he's really going to be used a whole lot. Um, it's possible they could use him as a safety convert. I don't, I don't really think they should. I think he's got the traits to excel at corner as long as he's able to fill out his frame a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a guy that's, that's 
on tape really going to wow you all that much. But that's why he's in the fifth round, right? You're not you're not getting him in the early rounds for that. Out of good players, right? There's only so many good yeah. players that can be drafted. Only so many. Yeah, yeah, he seemed like the head scratcher of the draft for me. And uh, after further evaluation, it certainly seems like that opinion is uh, still valid. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Some guys just don't look good in college, man. Sometimes they just they just take a little while to to really hit, to really latch on. You know, uh, Lions had Quandre Diggs. They drafted in the sixth round. Uh, and he was a really good nickel as a rookie, and then he just fell off a cliff. I think he allowed like 96% of his passes completed. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> some, some obscene number in the slot. Uh, and then they moved him to safety, and he was awesome. And it was just like, it, it, was, it was an emergency thing. It wasn't like they were like, oh, well, we should try him at safety. It was all of our safeties are broken. We need to put somebody back there. <laughs> Um, and then he got two picks in two games and was really, really good at safety. So sometimes it's just finding that right, right fit. You know, it's not necessarily that they're a bad player. They're just not really being used correctly. Yeah, that's, that's something. And it's we don't have like time to talk about it in depth. But I've always wondered, are like these players that are bad, like like this cornerback can't save anybody to save his life, especially if they're like good athletes. Um, it's just like, is he just like not in the right position? But nobody ever like has the the uh, the foresight to try it somewhere else. Like maybe he'd be a good running back or wide receiver, and he's yeah. just you know. But nobody like it's like once you get to the NFL, and I think teams are getting a little bit better about this. But it's like if you get drafted as a safety, you're just a safety forever. Like you, there's no chance <laughs> they try you anywhere else. And some of it's pride too. You know, a lot of these yeah. guys they they consider themselves good at what they do, even if there's no evidence to say that they are. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, we had we had a, a, a safety back when the Lions were absolute garbage in our, our 0 and 16 year um, named CC Brown. CC can't cover Brown, um, <laughs> and uh, he was just he wasn't good at anything. And the roster was so depleted that it was like, really, this is the best guy that you can get out there. <laughs> and then he got hurt one game and he was off for like 10 or 15 snaps. And the guy they put out there in place of it was even worse. And it's like, oh, I guess they couldn't find anybody better. We're just, we're just terrible at finding anyone who can play safety. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it is crazy how sometimes you'll have guys that come out of nowhere. I forget what was his name, that Giants tight end some years ago that just came out of absolute nowhere and then disappeared just as quick as he showed up. Um, what was his name? It was only for like a year or two that he was good, and then he disappeared off the face of the planet. Um, but yeah, you have that every now and again where a guy just shows up, does good, and then disappears. Uh, the Ravens had LaRon McLean. Larry Donnell. Donnell. Yes, Donnell. Larry Donnell. Larry Donnell, thank you. Um, was Just came out of nowhere. Nobody saw that coming. Um, the, the Ravens had LaRon McLean, who was a fullback, and then they needed him as an injury replacement at running back. He runs for a 1,000 yards, makes a Pro Bowl, and then they just put him back at fullback. <laughs> You're not supposed to be here. <laughs> so back, go back to where you belong, you fullback. <laughs> I don't think anybody actually knows what they're doing. I think everybody's no. just out there going, I don't know, let's try whatever this. We'll see if yeah. this works. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like it's so like like a linear way of thinking, like very Madden-esque where it's like, all right, this guy has like RB next to his name, so yeah. we cannot put him anywhere else on the field. Like this is the group he practices with. This is all he does. That's why it's so tough when you have guys like Isaiah Simmons and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa coming out of the draft who have multiple positions that they play. Because yeah. you have to land in the right spot because not every coach is going to even have the balls to do anything. With you, and not every coach is going to know what to do with you. 
So, yeah, and that's kind of what happened with Isaiah Simmons last yeah. year. Yeah, you just get pigeonholed. So it, it happens quite often. Oh, it's a, a good example is Hassan Reddick. I mean, he wasn't yeah. good for his entire career until they finally were like, all right, we're not, we're going to not put you in the trenches and play defensive end all the time. We're going to let you be an off the ball linebacker who can blitz. And all of a sudden, Oh, now he's got 10 plus sacks in one year. Wow. That's crazy. Huh? It's almost like you try new things with, with talented players and see what, what shakes out. You know, that's why guys like Christian McCaffrey can be so dangerous in the NFL because teams aren't prepared to deal with those kind of dual threats. Um, it's why the NFL has been leaning towards more athletic quarterbacks and getting away from the guys that are just statues standing in the pocket because there's less value in a fixed pocket than there is on a mobile one. Um, you don't have to be able to run necessarily. You do have to be able to get out of the pocket, move, get away from defenders and, and maneuver yourself around. Um, and I know that's going to be very important for the Panthers as they start evaluating a new quarterback and looking at potentially looking at a quarterback in the next class. Um, but that's why you're seeing that teams are starting after 40 something years of this being tested, athletic testing, uh, athletic testing started in, in 1985, uh, the NFL combine. Um, so we're now almost 40 years of testing and teams are only just now like maybe this athletic stuff, maybe, maybe we can do <laughs> something matters. with these athletes. We can yeah. find athletes and do things with them. You know, it's, it's crazy that the guys who are the best at this, still don't see that sometimes. Right. Well, Kent, I have one last question for you before we close out. Um, since you're a Lions fan, I'd just like to hear your opinion on Jared Goff and what the what the franchise will look like going forward. What do you think with that? Well, and not great. Not with Jared Goff. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. I, I don't have a very high opinion of Jared Goff. He seems like a great guy. Um, he's Always a good endorsement. Um, he, he doesn't have a great arm. Uh, he has almost no mobility. Um, <laughs> and his ability to read defenses is, is pretty suspect. Um, he's going to be behind a good offensive line. I think he's going to be statistically mediocre next year. I think he might even do better than he did for the Rams last year, even though he was in a far better situation. Um, but he can't carry a franchise. Uh, he's not the kind of guy that you can build around. Uh, and the Lions are rebuilding. We're starting to tear things down and build from the, the lineup. Um, they drafted two defensive tackles in their, with their early picks this year. Their, their second and their third picks were both defensive tackles, despite just having traded for Michael Brockers and uh, keeping Nick Williams on the roster was a starter last year. So even though they have guys at that position, they were like, no, we got to rebuild that position. Um, that's long-term a sign that they're rebuilding. So they've got to do that. And Goff's not the guy. Um, quarterback is their number one need going into 2022 uh, off season. So the 2022 draft and will probably be the same need again in 2023 because they're so depleted that they're probably just going to skip the 2022 class because they'll probably be picking a high, again high in the next year. So uh, it's going to be a long, hard time to be a Lions fan. But <laughs> if you're a Lions fan, that's all you've done. So at least they got some picks out of the uh, at least they got some picks out of the Matthew Stafford trade. So yes, that's gonna be fun because there's a lot of talent in next year's class. I'm excited to excited for the Lions to get that one right. They if they draft the way that they did this year as well as they did this year, uh, next year when they have that many that many high picks. I think they have six picks in the top hundred. Something back to they have a first, 
uh, two firsts, a second, and then two thirds. So five picks in the top hundred. Uh, maybe um, they'll be the next team to package uh, some draft picks into drafting a quarterback. So it's possible. may not be may not be all doom and gloom just yet. But thank you for joining us. Oh, yeah, sorry. I appreciate it. No, I was gonna say I hope it's Spencer Rattler just because that's a great name. Just, <laughs> that is a great a, name. That is an awesome name. name. All right, guys. Thank you so well, much for having me. Appreciate it. I yeah, thank you. For, yeah, thank you for joining us, Kent. Um, as always, this is Brian, Brad, and John on the Keep Sounding podcast. Kent, why don't you tell our listeners that uh, where we can find you on Twitter? I know that there's a bunch of them. We'll probably follow you just to see your RAS scores. So let us know where yeah. you're doing. What you, what where we can find you, etc. You can find me on Twitter at MathBomb, uh, or just look for the RAS cards, and you'll find me eventually. Um, all of those cards you can pull up for any player in the last 35 years that I have data for. It's 21,000 players and growing at RAS.football. I just moved the URL to something easier to remember. Um, you can find all of those there. You can switch positions. You can pull them up on your own team's card if you want to and see how those guys look. Um, it's, it's a rabbit hole you can go down. So I'm trying to make it as entertaining as possible. I hope you all enjoy the data. Uh, and then I work as the application developer for Pro Football Network. You can go try our mock draft simulator at profootballnetwork.com slash mock draft. Um, and then yell at me for not having the guys that you like ranked <laughs> high enough or for having your team drafting higher than you think they should. I'll, I'll enjoy it. Show me your drafts. Um, and that's usually where you can find me. You have plenty of people that want to show you their drafts. Yes, you don't say that because trust me, <laughs> you will regret it. Yeah, I, I wish I could tell you some of the stuff we have. In, down the down the pipeline for that. There's there's a reason I'm applications development for that for that place. Oh, sounds sounds intriguing. Uh, sounds spicy. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks, Kent. Yeah, thanks for coming on. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. See you. Later.